0: You are listening to an HD Smartcast original
1: Hi, I am Benzin and well I am so many things. An entrepreneur, a public speaker, translation compeer and a lifestyle writer. But at my very core, I am a Tibetan. But if you ask me what Tibet, its people, and the culture is like, then I must honestly say that I have never been to Tibet. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. If you've never been to Tibet either, then this podcast is for you and welcome back. Today we are discussing Tibetan medicine or art of healing. Why this topic? Well, we live in a world where quick fixes are always the first option. We as the modern and futuristic people have found solutions to some of the most challenging problems of our world. But truth be told, we have not found the solution to this problem, that is, of our own well-being. So how holistically healthy are we? And how can we heal ourselves mentally and physically? The system of Tibetan Art of Healing is over 2,500 years old, so to enlighten us about this topic, we have two special guests with us, Dr. Dorji Rabden-Nishar, who is a renowned Tibetan medicine doctor, and Gelpa Vitalani, an accomplished multipreneur who is known for setting up Tibetan medicine camps in Mumbai, India. If you have never heard about Tibetan medicine before, then Sorry not, Doctor Dorji is here to decode this profound topic for us, and tell us what Tibetan medicine or Sowa Rigpa truly is and how it originated in Tibet.
2: Sowa literally means science of healing. Sowa means health and healing, and Rigpa uh, is the knowledge. So it was clearly mentioned in the medical text, ancient Tibetan medical text. And uh, yeah, about this, uh, the hidden uh, knowledge, the knowledge of Tibet, no teaching systems at all. But the main uh, momentum in the Tibetan medicine started uh, probably 8th century, 9th century, where uh, the king, Tibetan kings, the engine that started taking interest in propagating the very kind of this unique healing uh, yeah, for the uh, welfare of the people at large, the well suffering beings. Then the, during the eighth century, if we say the father of the, uh, Tibetan medicine, Yutoku Yunden Bungo, during his time period, he started, I mean, you know, uh, first ever Tibetan medical college, you know, in, in the Kongo the Congo region of uh, Kongo where he has almost he has, uh, hundreds of disciples, hundreds of disciples who are, you know, uh, most of them are you know, pro, you know, very uh, profound in their own kind of uh, knowledge. So, actually, you know, he's the, you know, credited as but, uh, the founder of this, uh, this modern, I would say, something more, uh, you know, the uh, kind of more systematic, you know, and uh, also come out with the First ever, the systematic discipline of the medical teaching or medical book, which is called Four Great Tantra, Yushi. so
1: Soarikpa in Tibetan translates to science of healing. It is one of the oldest healing traditions in the world. It gained momentum in Tibet in the 8th century even though we had some knowledge of healing in our pre-Buddhist era, that is during the existence of the Ben culture in Tibet, there was no comprehensive system of learning medicine or healing. In the twelfth century, Yutok Yonten Gonpo, the younger, who is known as the father of Tibetan medicine, um, the title "younger," by the way, is given to him because the first Yonten Gonpo he lived in the eighth century, and the younger with the same name. Yotok Yontenggompo, lived in the 12th century. So um, the younger, that is Yotok Yuntengompo the younger, he established the first Tibetan medical college in Kongpo region in Tibet. He wrote the first fundamental medical treatise known as the Four Great Tantras. Now this treatise is referred to by our physicians, even today. Our second guest, Jalpa, has played an important role in supporting Tibetan medicine by setting up Tibetan medicine camps in India, especially South Mumbai. Her father, Hargovind Vitalani, has also been supporting this cause. So what really got Jalpa interested in this, in Tibetan medicine?
0: And why did she decide to set up our medical camps? The Tibetan medical system, you know, I would like to call it the Tibetan wisdom of healing. It has such a rich historical background, you know. It's one of the most renowned and age-old medical traditions in the world. And since the beginning of human civilization, actually, I think Tibetans have acquired and developed the knowledge of maintaining a healthy and good physical appearance. You know, all of you, I mean, are so healthy, you know, there's an amazing radiance, you know, even inside and outside. I I always find that in all the Tibetans I know. And another thing I find beautiful is that Tibetan medicines are obtained from very natural sources, herbs, minerals, you know, organic products. And these ingredients are inexpensive, they're easily available on the planet. And these medicines also have very few, uh, you know, side effects. They're not symptomatic, you know, but they have a preventive as well as a curative effect. You know, the important thing I realize is Tibetan medicine is not just about illness, it's about vitality it's about health you know it's about our immunity and one of the factors which is common to all living beings you know is the basic wish to achieve happiness to avoid suffering and the desire for good health for complete physical and mental and emotional well-being right so when we are unwell we not only feel miserable but we're not able to function normally right and consequently health is not just a matter of personal interest but a universal concern for which we all share responsibility you know, and this is one of the reasons that we've really taken this forward. The relationship between
1: Indians and Tibetans is very special. In fact, His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama, says that he is the son of India and that India is our guru. We Tibetans are the Chelas or Shishya because enlightened Buddhist masters from India came to Tibet and taught us with what Jalpa is doing, it only goes to show that special connection that we have with each other. And what I find absolutely fascinating about Tibetan medicine is that our physicians diagnose diseases and illnesses with pulse reading. How do Tibetan medicine doctors diagnose and treat patients with pulse reading?
2: They uh, actually, you know, we follow the three main uh, kind of uh, methods of diagnosis. That is the, you know, both of the all, the touch, touch system, and then the integration and the pulse diagnosis falls under the uh, line of uh, you know, touch systems of diagnosis. So uh, it's a very familiar, very familiar, very uh, ancient practices. And I think the, uh, Latin doctors have, since many centuries, have, you know, really developed this kind of art of pulse diagnosis, out uh, of the pulse diagnosis. Uh, very, very, very intricate, very intricate. But more of a, what do you call it? More of a experiential knowledge. So it's like uh, uh, when our teacher used to, uh, you know, demonstrate. Oh, it's like a, you know, your pulse is like a kind of messenger kind of messenger, they especially mm, the blood inside, the, the flow of the blood inside, with the, with the you know, it's like a messenger, your artery, the radial artery, the radial artery where we actually see the pulse, mm, radial artery is like a map. So actually we say that yeah, no matter how many number of diseases are there, you know, it has only all the diseases combined together, only 20 different characteristics of the disease. And based on that, also, you have, you know, the, uh, something like, a, you know, the, the 20 different characteristics of the pulses. You know, so whenever, okay. Okay, when you don't have to bother about the, you know, what do you call it, uh, name of the diseases. It's not that important. Okay, but what is important is to, is to kind of properly follow, properly understand the characteristics of the pulse and how you relate that pulse to the different kind of, you know, humoral energy, energetical system in the body.
1: According to the Tibetan Journal, pulse reading involves the ability and skill of a physician in being able to pick up the impulse transmitted to the arteries, particularly the radial artery and translate the message in terms of ideological and pathological factors. So impulses from various major solid and hollow organs are transmitted by the blood and wind flow to the arteries and most clearly to the radial artery. So whenever Tibetan physicians, when they use their fingers To diagnose, that is to read the pulse, the radial artery is actually a clear messenger. So it acts as a messenger between the doctor and the patient. However, the ability to translate the messages picked up by the fingertips of any physician will largely depend on the experience and knowledge of the physician. So your pulse, that is a radial artery, is actually a messenger of your health and intuition of the physician, of any physician who reads the pulse in Tibetan medicine, also plays a part in understanding the characteristics and symptoms of illnesses. Meeting His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama is a dream come true for a lot of Tibetans, in fact for anyone. But what was the moment for Jalpa like when she met His Holiness the first time?
0: you know Tenzin the first time I met his holiness was actually very spontaneous and I remember I was standing in the lobby of Winsome and o Hotel in Bangalore mm-hmm. and um, there were a lot of people you know there was a lot of crowd and suddenly I noticed there was a whole entourage of people waiting with scarves in their hands and the next thing I knew that you know I was waiting at this elevator and his holiness alighted he came out of the car and everybody was greeting him and he came straight to the elevator where I was standing and I had a rose in my hand I just went to my guru Shrine, and I offered him the rose, and that was a beautiful, you know, very spontaneous meeting orchestrated by the universe. And next, I was at an interfaith conference with 200 religious leaders in Delhi. And you know, here I'm sitting, you know, in an art gallery, like you said, a curator, but it was beautiful, and I got a personal audience at that time. It's been a blessing in many ways. There is art from the gallery. You know, we presented him a portrait, which is at the palace in Dharamshala. You know, I've been blessed to meet him actually on several occasions. I think the most special time was when I was uh, invited to Dharamshala. And, you know, we were at uh, with about 40 or 50 youth. There was a conference by the United States Institute of Peace. And it was magical because it was a very intimate group of people. And, you know, uh, we were, we spent two days with him. And uh, for me, you know, the, the journey at the gallery has always been about spreading the message of love and peace throughout. And his holiness has always blessed that at, at every point, you know, when I've met him. And uh, in fact, it was very special at that time when I remember when we were leaving the conference at the last day and, you know, he called me up like this. And he says you plan an exhibition curate it write to me and i will come and inaugurate it now i don't have ah. never shared this with anybody now, so I don't funny. know if it's going to physically manifest, but it was a huge blessing and a huge transference of sorts. And I remember Guru Sharanji, who was his right-hand, as foreign affairs officer at that time, you know, he came up and he said, this is very beautiful and very, very rare. And uh, it was such a blessing because His Holiness also invited my parents to the conference. Normally, none of the youth leaders had, you know, and my parents also got a beautiful personal audience. And um, he uh, gifted my father a Buddha from his own altar. So there were lots of Buddhas and he went personally and, you know, he took a few minutes and he kept looking and not this one, that one, you know, because he's, you know, there was um, somebody, monks who were serving him with him and then he picked it up and he gifted it to dad. And he said, this is for your home and this is for your family. And, uh, uh, you know, these are life's biggest blessings. They are timeless treasures. And all I can say is that I was almost very childlike around him, you know, because we were sitting. It's like having a cup of tea, you know, uh, sitting with him. He would have a biscuit. He would bake it and share it with us. It was a very beautiful, sacred, intimate space. And I think I was most touched with his sense of humor and compassion. It absolutely Hmm. exudes. You know, it's just a frequency in the room. We, he doesn't even need to speak for that. And, um, you know, taking it one step further, actually, the Buddha that he's presented is at home. And my father was, he he didn't even let me carry this home. He was like childlike again. And, you know, he was like just taking care of it all the way till we reach Mumbai. It has a very, very special place in our home. And it's a medicine Buddha. So Tenzin, you see, energetically, he's always he had already paved the way for the camps
1: achieving vitality in the modern times has become so difficult. Of course, it's not impossible, but difficult. It is, for sure. We are stressed out, we sleep less, we binge on fast food, we move less. Our energy pathway is also disturbed. In Tibetan medicine, we believe that we're all made up of energies, and it is extremely important to balance our energies and channelize them in the right direction. So, how do we improve our vitality and balance our energy?
2: I think most important. uh, That's most important aspect is to kind of make sure that there are four things uh, that we just, which are the key elements. And of uh, actually uh, maintaining the dynamic equilibrium of your body system. And uh, those are something like seasonal factors, mental factors, and then third one, dietary factors, and the fourth one is the uh, lifestyle. You know, so therefore, you know, because we we understand our body system as a kind of a you know simple universe, you know, body system with its uh you know real systems of energy the solar energy the lunar energy you know Chawa and Changwa is the two kind of go opposite nature but they walk with each other to uh, uh, to to build up that kind of holisticness the complete kind of life the energy you know like the universal system so therefore seasonal factors you know, every changes in this season brings about a similar changes in your body systems. Based on that, you need to change your diet, you need to change your lifestyle, you know. For instance, let's say, you know, summer, sometimes you say summer very hot, you know, very hot summer, and during the summer, you know, the hot season of the summer, you there is, you know, similar changes in your body system. You cannot keep on taking the same kind of food, same kind of, you know.
1: True, true.
2: and the lifestyle could be different. And I could go on uh, giving you the example for each and every season, but then we have no time. But <laughs> you know, let's say winter, you know, but then, uh, uh, you know, very cold <clears throat> and bringing the, you know, uh, uh, and having the same kind of uh, changes in your body system and holding, you know, the cold element, energy of the body becomes very prominent and predominant in winter, you know? And then, when you don't know someone, in India, every time you keep on taking pop, Pepsi, ice cream, iced tea, and all, and the ice water. Like, for instance, in the in, in U.S., when I was there once in the U.S., uh, at that time, it was probably November. It was very cold, I remember. Going to a restaurant, and then uh, before ordering anything, I said, would like to have some you know, water, boiled hot water. Hot water. He was looking at me, and uh, he was completely t- <laughs> and okay i' didn't. then then some he, uh, you know later on they brought what they brought was ice you know cold water with ice inside you know?
1: right mm.
2: you know so therefore the seasonal factor you know it, tuning your body system according to the changing system very important changing kind of seasonal factors and number two there's mental factors you know your mind you know very, you know the, it's emotions mm? Always, when we think about something happening outside, it's a whole now where where you know it's kind of what do you say something like now it's very becoming very dangerous everywhere. There's some chaos. There was some sorrow. There was some distress. There is a war going on. There is a famine, starvation, flood, and uh, you know what not. You know, and in your family also, in your own setup also, there are lots of ups and downs. But then when your mind and thinking that yes, looking at the positive side of it, Whatever changes, are negative changes are coming up. Okay, cool down. Okay, maybe it's going to going to be all right. So that's my advice to my patients. That whatever whatever challenges that you are facing, always first of all, you know, your mental challenges has to be met with the your own change in your mindset.
1: A holistic approach to health is paramount and this is what Tibetan medicine propounds. Because I mean, imagine if you work out every single day but then you don't eat clean or you don't put the right kind of foods in your system. Or let's say you work out every single day, you eat the right kind of food, good nutrition, but then you don't sleep enough or you stress out too much. Having a 360 degree approach to our health is so important we must take into account our physical as well as our mental health and more specifically our emotional health and burning out we must not wear it as a badge of honor we must try to find some space for rejuvenation for relaxation because when we stress out too much our energy pathways are blocked even the food that we eat can affect our temperament and energy. So having a really wide, holistic approach to health is extremely important. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode valuable. We will continue our conversation with Dr. Dorji Raptan Nishar and Jalpa Vitilani in our following episodes. Until then, take care. See you soon. If you like this episode then please give me a shout out by mentioning me in your Instagram stories and posts. My Instagram handle is tenzin.chodon.24 that is t e n z i n . c h o d o n 24. You can also dm me if you have any questions. To stay updated about waking up closer to Tibet Don't forget to follow at HD Smartcast on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. To listen to more podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com or sunoomne nazariye se. This was an HD Smartcast original.
0: HD Smartcast.